This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club and this is your show. So all things considered, last Sunday possibly couldn't have gone any better for Manchester City. Comfortably into the fourth round of the FA Cup with that 5-0 win over Huddersfield, securing a win in the Blue Moon Podcast charity bet as well. Plus some good minutes for some key players returning from injury. And on top of all of that, a couple of promising youngsters got some vital first team experience. And just when you think it was going all swimmingly, Spurs away comes out the hat for the next round of the competition. Still, we've got to win or even score there sometimes, so maybe it'll happen at the end of this month. On today's Blue Moon Podcast, we'll take a look back at the key talking points from that Huddersfield game, which, let's face it, could be dominated by the return of one player in particular. Then we'll look ahead to a tricky tie at Newcastle. Alex Hurst from the True Faith Newcastle United podcast will be on the show a bit later on. I'm David Mooney, and it's just like old times because I'm joined by City fan Sam Rosbottom. Hello, mate. And all the way from the USA, we've got the Noisy Neighbours podcast pair. We've got Joey. Hey, how you doing? And Mulv. Good morning, David and Sam. Morning, morning. And Joey. And Joey, yes. Um, oh, hey, Mold. Hi. <laughs> yeah, you two know each other, I, I, I believe. Mm, yeah. We've met. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, Sam, could, before we get into the show, can we just address the uh, the elephant in the room that we've had another name change from you? Uh, another? I, well, I don't... Well... We, uh, we, we, I mean, I, still the same, just to clarify, uh, just from a vanity perspective of changing it. No, not really. Um, just because... Right, the story is <laughs> the Sam Roscoe thing okay. was because back in the day when I was uh, working alongside David in radio, Ros Bottom's a bit of a mouthful to say yeah. on the air. So it was agreed by several parties that Roscoe's <laughs> just easier and is a bit of a cheesy radio name. So uh, we ran with that. It was my Twitter handle as well for a bit. Uh, that's changed now. And yeah, it's just it's same old me, Sam Rosbottom. Yeah, that's so who I am. That's, all, but, that's who I've always been. But long-time listeners will remember you as Sam Rosbottom back in the day, and then we just changed it for no reason at the at the start, just to keep at the start of us going weekly, just to keep it consistent with your radio persona. And I'm like, I genuinely don't really know why. <laughs> Regardless of his name, though, like the swagger on Rosbottom <laughs> is is crazy. Like the the clean bald head, the glasses, <laughs> the low trim beard. <laughs> Like proper old and res god. Yeah. I feel like Malv's just trying to hype himself up here by <laughs> tagging on to Sam. Hey, I, I mean, as City fans, we can't knock a bald man, can we? That's the uh, that's the True. thing. Yeah. Uh, genius, actually. A bald, Ge- bald genius. genius. Oh, is that what mm. we're going with now, is it? I see. Right. All right. Yeah. Uh, Joey Malv, uh, it's great to have you on. Um, it is really early over there. Um, tell me, why have you got out of bed at this time to do this shit? Well, I've been up for two hours, so this is <laughs> this is standard, actually. And... Uh, either way, this is still less shit than anything Mulvin and I would do. So, uh, we haven't it. done a we haven't done a podcast of our own this week, so this seemed like a great opportunity to put a shift in. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'm glad glad like, you've. Uh, like, this yeah. is like the warm up for it. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just true professionals, you know what I mean? Yeah, this is preseason to the actual season. Um, mm. Right. Well, 2024 is upon us, which means a packed schedule of FA Cup, Afcon, and of course Premier League action. Beat the January Blues and watch every game with the atmosphere it deserves down at your local Green King Sports Pub for City. That includes this weekend's trip to Newcastle. Don't settle for a dodgy stream 
stream. If it's on the telly, it's on at your local Green King across their huge HD screens. If you download the Green King Sports app, you'll also receive 10% off every single drink whenever there's a game on. And that's not just City Games either. Their venues offer a range of low and no alcohol options. So dry January doesn't mean you have to settle for a worse sports watching experience. Um, Speaking of a sports watching experience, let's start then with uh, the overall performance against Huddersfield because we'll we'll come to the big guy coming back shortly. Um, But uh, Joey Mulv, I'll I'll start with you guys. Joey, you couldn't really have asked for a better day really against Huddersfield, could you? Yeah, no, that's kind of what you want, right? Lower lower division team in the cup, kind of rotated squad, get some guys back, thump them. I mean, (laughs) on to the next. No, you know, no major injuries, I don't think. But it's what what more can you want? Yeah. Five nil. Yeah. I mean, well, six nil, seven nil. Could have have gone further, couldn't we? (laughs) True. Ten. I guess I'm I'm being I'm being nice. But yeah, five nil in the cup. And true. Yeah. Yeah. Six one, maybe. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's uh, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, when the when the lineup came out, Wolf, we we quite happy to see the uh, not necessarily the rotation, but the the kind of opportunities for some of the uh, the lesser used players because it's not just kind of youngsters in there. It's like Nunes and Kovacic got some time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Nunes, for example, gaining valuable experience with every game. I think just a great guy to have in the squad, even if his his long term role isn't that clear yet. Um, Kovacic, yeah, I mean, always when, when Rodri's not on the team sheet. Somebody's got to, or multiple players perhaps have to have to fill that void. And uh, I thought Kovacic was excellent in this, and it was good to see him tried at uh, at the lone six. Yeah, and uh, Sam, I mean, you, you look at um, uh, Joey said no major injuries. There was obviously the injury to Akanji that we we don't really know the extent of yet. Um, what did you make of that whole incident? Though? Not ideal, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we we talked about uh, we couldn't really ask for a better day. I, <laughs> Look, lower league opposition, um, chance to see some fringe players get some very good minutes, some academy players get some very good minutes and hopefully have no injuries. But that wasn't quite the case. And like we said, we don't know the full extent of Akanji's injury, but um, clearly he was in a lot of discomfort uh, and it's never it never looks positive, does it, when you see that? I think... Um, what, what, only... did, what did you think of the challenge? Because I, it, it's interesting that um, I've seen the suggestion that um, like the VAR should have looked at it, it was a straight red. And when I watched it back and when I watched it at the time, I was genuinely thinking that's just a good challenge. He's just fallen quite awkwardly there. So like, there's, there's a huge discrepancy in, in kind of opinion around this. So what did you think? Well, there's just a huge discrepancy in in VAR, isn't there? At the minute, which, uh, which which doesn't lead us into any clarity, unfortunately. Um, it's one of them, isn't it? Like you know, like you say, you, you can see if there is, uh, you know, a, a check that it could be, it could be something in there. But then, equally, you know, there's a there's a strong argument for scrapping VAR altogether and going back to the days when players had put each other in the stands, sort of thing. And that was, you know, one of those, wasn't it? Um, like I said, it's not ideal that we've come away with this with a with an injury. Um, the interesting thing and the, the positive to take from it was seeing Rico Lewis uh, go back at right back, yeah. right back, mm. uh, and how he coped with that. Admittedly, you know, he wasn't playing against opposition that were going to test him massively, but it was good to see that Pep had the faith to put him at right back and trust him in that position. And that's 
that's certainly a positive in my eyes. Yeah. Joey Move, what, what were your thoughts on the challenge? Red card or, or fine challenge? I thought it was a nasty tackle, David. Mm. Yeah. Uh, looked to cause possibly multiple injuries to Akanji. Um, it, you know, he, he takes the foot out from him, so his groin's definitely in trouble there. The knee, I think, is what ultimately um, gets him out of the game, but also stomped on his foot as well. So there was multiple potential injuries there, and I'm keen to find out how he is. Yeah, Joey, I, I honestly thought he could have gone for the elbow on Lewis in the in the build up to it, but I thought I, I actually when I saw the challenge, I thought it was fine. But you know, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm the one that's uh, that's not seeing things. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like you said. There's a lot leading up to that, right? So it's there's an elbow on Lewis, then like Mulv said couple bites at a kanji so mm. i don't know he, he probably could have gotten something for one of those but I, I don't understand what is and isn't a red card or a handball or offside or any of it <laughs> uh right now so there's no uh, i've i've kind of given up on trying to figure out what should have been and what wasn't and all yeah. that kind of stuff because the guys that make the calls don't know so how the hell would i yeah, and hey, we won five nil, so let's let's not True. Uh, yeah <laughs> let, let, let's not dwell too much. Um, Doku was back, uh, Mulf. Um, not the big injury return. I know we will come we will come on to him, um, but it's good to have a few more options, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we've really missed him to be honest. Um, I just think he's been brilliant since he got here, uh, and a real surprise that he's had the immediate impact he's had. I I, I saw him coming in as, as just a, a very raw talent. Uh, what I'd seen was just cameos in, in Belgium uh, matches where he came on. He was just this sort of enigmatic, you know, uh, live wire uh, that I thought would need some taming once he got to uh, to Manchester City. But Quite in the terms of anything, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> in terms go. of, you know, if you compare him to Grealish, he, he, does, he does most of what Grealish does very well, plus... He's got that extra uh, bit of pace in him to go past the player. So um, I'm really excited to have him back on, and on the score sheet straight away. Brilliant. And you get, he gave you a new dance move. Oh, God. Okay. What's, what's this one now? <laughs> the, the, the last one. I'm not, I'm not up to date with the last one. What was it called? The Gritty? Yeah. Mold's got a sick Gritty, dude. It's nuts. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Less said about there's, that. There's the nothing. title of uh, this week's podcast. <laughs> Mulv's got a sick gritty. Yeah. If if, if you were going to have to bust out a dance move in celebration, Joey, what would it be? Oh, I wouldn't. I, I would, usually I'm on the floor during a match. Anyways, I'm just crouched, hiding behind a bar stool or something because I'm having a panic attack. Uh, so usually it's just uh, standing up, and I'm shocked, and I'm just looking for someone to hug. Uh, hmm. But I guess. The worm at a pub is a is a <laughs> it's a risky that's a risky it's a risky maneuver isn't it? yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's great <laughs> is that a pro- is that a promise uh i don't know i feel like you liquor me up enough i might bust one out who knows <laughs> uh sav let's complete the set what's your what's your dance move in celebration i, I know i know you're more of a sheer arm in the air run off towards the corner flag guy but come on you got you, you got to bust out a dance move now you've scored <sighs> well to be honest with you, like you said, you know, the Shearer hand in the air is is my go-to because scoring goals isn't a surprise for me. Oh, uh, oh, oh! <laughs> uh, but if, if, we, okay, we have played okay. together, remember? I've seen you play. Yeah. Swagger. Yeah. Uh, wow. I think I'd, yeah, to go along the swagger theme that Mulvers has, <laughs> has painted for me, uh, I'll go with a moonwalk 
Excellent, Ooh. excellent. Yeah, you don't you don't see many moonwalks in Premier League football, do you? That's uh, yeah. <laughs> not enough. Not enough. Not uh, enough. In fact, I'll go with a blue moonwalk. Oh, you've got too far. Oh, too wow. far. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too far. Um, Mulv, obviously, okay. we're, we're, we've we've ignored the elephant in the room of De Bruyne's return for the first eleven and a half minutes of the show, but we're here now. Um, how did it feel when you saw him uh, back on the touchline, ready to come on? Yeah, amazing. Just just reminded of how lucky we are that we've had his best years and not 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 to take him for granted in in a season that's going to be uh it's going to require something to separate the cluster of teams at the top unveiling Kevin De Bruyne for the stretch run has got to strike fear in every rival fan base yeah Klopp wasn't happy was he, he was uh, he, he he said something about being uh, the entire league being nervous about it but i think not in uh, such polite language um <laughs> sam were you surprised at how long guardiola gave him in this game given he came on in the 57th minute which for someone who's been out for what three four five months injured that's quite it's quite early yes that was uh, a little bit of an eyebrow raiser to be honest with you i think we all expected maybe 20 minutes max for mm. for him i think that's mm-hmm. that was certainly what we you know we were saying uh, when we were on the way to the game you know it'd be great to see de bruyne but let's you know let's not go crazy let's just expect at least 20 minutes if that but um i, I think when you look at especially given how the season started for him how there was concerns that he might not necessarily be fit and then he starts against Burnley and then he lasts 23 minutes and you see you know the just the, the stomach drops in every Man City fan mm. when they see Kevin De Bruyne pull up early into a game and it's oh no not again moment and that I think lives with us doesn't it whenever we we go through these periods of Kevin De Bruyne coming back from injury it's very much all the cotton wool in the world to wrap him around and just please be fit and get through this initial period of coming back, getting up to match fitness because everybody knows what he is capable of and the levels that he is capable of. And and not just that, not just him and his own personal performance, but what the impact he has on the team, the Manchester city team, the players around him, the impact, for example, that he has with Erling Haaland, um, is 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 phenomenal which we saw last season and and i think a lot of people are hoping um and to a certain extent expecting that when kevin de bruyne is back and he is fit that city will kick on into this entire different level which we know they're capable of when a fully fit kevin de bruyne is there and and that's kind of where i think we're all looking at the table at the minute and going yeah it's tight but city are there without Kevin De Bruyne and, and Haaland fully firing. Uh, and that's what they've got to come back to. It's it's really cliche, but it's going to be like a brand new signing when Kevin De Bruyne is fully fit and back in that Manchester City squad. We know what impact he can have. Uh, and to be honest with you, the expectation that is on him, we know what impact he will have. And we saw it, albeit against Huddersfield and, you know, not for a, a long a, the full game even you know when he came on he had such an impact he's so direct he is is completely um happy to play those risky passes in behind which splits defenses which is why he's so successful and it's why you know whatever kevin de bruyne's on the pitch most of the time we're all on the edge of our seat yeah. Now, Joey, this is a question to separate the uh, the baldies on the podcast from the, uh, the those of us with the hair. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of the new hair in action? Well, as a as a 
uh, a flow bro. Um, <laughs> I'm all about it. You know, winter is flow season. Uh, and I think it's good. I think it adds swag to him. Um, I was telling somebody the other day. He didn't know, need any more swag, surely. Oh, he yeah. Did. But like Kevin De Bruyne entering his Pirlo era is <laughs> a pretty dope yeah. thought. So I don't know. I like it. I think it's going to look good. You know, De Bruyne taking off full pelt, hair blowing in the wind, slows down a little bit, pings in a 30-yard ball to somebody back post who finishes it, and then you just kind of see him shake it out. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's a... It's like the, a lion's mane. Are you kidding me? Yeah, if, if I say there's a... Got, got Mufasa uh, out there, dude. Yeah, if I say there's a there's a L'Oreal advert, would that make sense to you guys? <laughs> Better than head but, and shoulders, yes, isn't it? Yeah, move, move. You'll get that. But Joey, yeah, like, if it, does has, does that translate? I don't know if it uh, if it translates to, to yeah, yeah. So it, I like, have shampoo. Yeah, because he's worth it, basically. Um, but I, <laughs> the, the thing is, Joey, like, you, we, Sam was talking there about um, the impact that that De Bruyne can have. I thought mm. he looked pretty rusty against Huddersfield, and even even rusty, he bagged an assist inside seventeen minutes. It's like he's still like even when he's rusty, he's still got it. Well, yeah, he's he's the best midfielder the league's ever seen. And I think I think every time Kevin comes back for the first you know couple matches he's always just a touch off where it's you can tell the brain and the eyes are working right but he hasn't quite connected it to his foot yet so he'll see a ball that he knows healthy Kevin can play and he'll attempt it and it won't quite come off it's like the radar's working but he can't quite hit it right that's all our excuse at five aside yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, you know what? He's Kevin De Bruyne at the end of the day. So even a rusty Kevin De Bruyne against lower league opposition is going to be a menace. And I can't, I can't wait to see what it looks like when he's fully healthy again. Like, is is he? Is it possible that he could be even better? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Let's, uh, be, it's going to be a lot of fun finding out, though. Um, mm-hmm. A lot's been said about De Bruyne's return this week. Dan Burke's been taking a look for us at what both Guardiola and the Belgian have said about his rehabilitation and what we can expect from the midfielder over the next few weeks. There was a rapturous round of applause when Kevin De Bruyne went for a jog down the sideline during City's 2-0 win over Sheffield United in December. That noise was even louder the next week when he came to the touchline stripped and ready in the 57th minute of the victory against Huddersfield. He played a really good minute, so really one, so we thought it was better to play the second half in the beginning where the game is more tight, tighter and, and the spaces it was so difficult to find because the defence so deep, so so deep and, and really well organised, compact, you have to break the game. We did it and second half is a little bit more spaces. That's what Pep Guardiola said after the game when asked about the Belgians' return. De Bruyne also gave his reaction to reporters in the mix zone. Happy to be back and I, I felt good, so I'm pleased about that. Like I still know I'm nowhere near where I need to be, but you know, it, it's a good continuation, I would say, from the process that I had the last few weeks. Obviously, the beginning is a big blow, but then after, I know I'm going to be out for basically five months, four months, whatever it is. So, you know, after the, the first reaction, um, I actually told myself I just need to work hard when, whenever I'm, I'm working and then on the other hand I could enjoy a little bit the things that I've not been able to do with my family, with my friends and I took it that way and you know in a way maybe it was good to refresh a little bit and I 
for that. It's been a long road for De Bruyne since his injury. Despite saying there that he's made the best of a bad situation, he admits he's been itching to get back. It's not like I needed it, but I took it as a, as something that is was a disadvantage as an advantage, I think, obviously. When I reflect on my career, I think I've been playing 13, 14 years of football and the last 10 years I've basically done non-stop with a short break. Uh, maybe it was good for me to reset a little bit in a way and uh, take care a little bit of myself, what is not really possible during the year. And, you know, and I hoped I could work hard and come back in a, in a good way and I feel that I'm doing that. In his post-Huddersfield press conference, Guardiola was keen not to get too carried away with De Bruyne's return. It's fair to say that City haven't been at their best so far this season, but the manager doesn't think having De Bruyne back will be a magic bullet to their issues. Kevin helps to win games, so I'm not saying play better, I'm not saying that we can play good, you know, in terms of football-wise and everything, but win games, Kevin, Haaland, these guys win games. Kevin is not going to solve the problems that we have. He's not going to do big victories if we are not all together. Kevin helps us in his talent, but we need how today Ruben and Josco defend in the high line and many things that uh, we are getting better. So we we'll do it together. I don't want to put. I know he can handle the pressure, but I don't want to hold the pressure in Kevin's shoulders because it's not fair. That's not to say he's not glad De Bruyne is back. Speaking ahead of the Huddersfield game, Guardiola explained what he wanted to see from the Belgian. Now I don't ask to Kevin to play his level. It's not to, to be calm and play good minutes and you know do the, the principles they have to do and the rest will come. When you come back, you need time. It's not, OK, you play, it's the best Kevin. So you have to be relaxed, enjoy the minutes he's going to play, try to win the game, help us to win the games. Kevin maybe in 20 minutes can help us more right now than 90 minutes. And, and after he, his body will dictate how much, you know, minutes more can get. Guardiola also said that they're going to be really careful with the midfielder. It's a question of accumulate timing, timing of training session. This is the most important thing than play 90 minutes and 80 minutes and 90 minutes. If we do that right now, he's going to get injured again. So has to be even his feeling, you know, how he feels, you know, how he recover for the big action, how he recover. So... It's a long time. Didn't make a precision. Three months. He's so fresh. He's so having crowd desire. But in the other point, you have to be careful. Just as the fans have missed having De Bruyne on the pitch, De Bruyne himself has missed it too. Guardiola says he might need to keep the midfielder's feet on the ground. What I'm concerned the most is the fact that try to avoid it. You know, to be re-incident in, in this injury. This is what to be careful for the minutes in the first because enthusiasm in the first minute is, wow, I want to play and play today and. But you have to be careful just on that. What Kevin needs, or every player for the long injuries, is accumulate weeks in training sessions, weeks and weeks and weeks and minutes, weeks and minutes. Not make a step back. He can train four, five, six training sessions in a row, play minutes in a game, and after four, five more training sessions, minutes again, one day 90 minutes, another day 50 and training good in Abu Dhabi, that is the best can happen right now from Kevin. After the game with Huddersfield, De Bruyne explained how he's found his recuperation over the last few months and how he was feeling after getting more than 30 minutes of first team action. In the beginning, when I was training, sometimes I was getting tired, you know, because not doing the stuff with the team. I'm pleased with the way it went, you know. I feel good, the movements were good, I, was, I felt comfortable in what I was doing and that worked was the only thing that I really was looking for. I know 
going to be moments I, I want to play every game, but I know in the back of my mind I need to take care of myself. Despite how keen he is to get back into the first team regularly, De Bruyne says he's being sensible with his expectations of how much he'll be involved at the moment. I think in a way it's good being January where we have so less games, so you know I don't expect myself to be honest like playing too many games and obviously next week is Newcastle where there's a big game so I'll expect to be back on the bench and you know if they need me or they want to give me minutes that that will be the case but then we've got another two weeks to do so that's another three four weeks of training so that's a different momentum at that time and we'll see how, how it is. De Bruyne's role for the rest of January might only be brief but, as both he and Guardiola have said this week, it's important for his recovery that they take it slowly and that he builds up a run of training sessions alongside whatever game time he can get. It may be that the Belgian barely features against Newcastle this weekend, or against Tottenham in the FA Cup, but taking it slowly in the short term could pay off big time in the long run. Hi, this is Steve Howie and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Think of some dynamic teammates who got it done. City have had some great partnerships down the years, whether it's De Bruyne and Haaland, Dunn and Distan or Rosler and Walsh. But what about the perfect teammates when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brook Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash blue moon. That's all in lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash blue moon to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash blue moon. Ad-free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. That was Dan Burke uh, looking at what Guardiola and De Bruyne have said. Um, Morf, when you hear them both speak, you can tell they're both being really cautious, can't you, about about his reintroduction. The fact that, like he said, like it's it, it's not it's not like the old days. You'll play half an hour, then sixty minutes, and then kind of back into the flow. Ninety minutes, ninety minutes, ninety minutes. It'll be a case of he might not even get on the pitch against Newcastle. It just entirely depends on the game. Well, first of all, Dan Burke, amazing, another OG <laughs> on the show. Yeah, uh, what an honor. Um, yeah, they're, they're being cautious, and I think rightly so. Uh, hamstring, most common injury, uh, so it needs strengthening over time. And and in specific circumstances, I think, I, that's why I think Huddersfield was a good choice to uh, to avoid re-aggravating it. You know, you don't want him probably in the highest pressure games, um, you know, where he might stretch it again, because, you know, you're looking at 
four to six weeks, even with a healthy hamstring that, that, that gets pulled. So yeah, I think rightly so they're being cautious with him. Um, it'll definitely be managed David. Uh, cause there's, there's actually plenty of great options in, in that position centrally behind the striker. So, so no need to rush it. You've got Phil Foden who's playing out of his skin at the moment in that role. Alvarez has, has been, uh, an excellent, uh, deputy while KDB has been out in that role. Obviously, Bernardo, Kovacic, Nunez, Rico Lewis can all play there. So, so why not? Um, why Just not manage it? it and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sam, have you have you ever done your hamstring? Um, I, I've got a feeling you were there when I did mine, and it wasn't a pretty sight. Yeah, um, hamstrings aren't great for me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, uh, I mean, look, having Kevin De Bruyne back is is wonderful. You know, rightly so. It isn't like the old days he's 32 now and it pains me to say this but when we look at other city great city legends of um recent times that have had a similar impact on the club and on the trophy hall that Kevin De Bruyne has had you look at the likes of David Silva Yaya Torre they were both 34 when they left City so I don't want to be that guy I want to you know you are being that guy, though. It's sad. I want to say Kevin. I want to say Kevin De Bruyne Infinity, you know. But uh, we have to be realistic and and say we're entering the the golden era for for Kevin De Bruyne, and we have to enjoy every minute that he's on the pitch for and the impact that he that he has. We have to really cherish these moments because if you know you look at the trend, it could be suggested that two, three more seasons at City for him. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I had not even thought of that, and so thank you for bringing the mood down on the on the great Kevin De Bruyne is back show. Oh boy, um, uh, he's back, it, but yeah. for how long? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Joey, it's uh, Mulv mentioned uh, Phil Foden playing well, and um, Guardiola's kind of been talking about this this, this recently because uh, the question has been around whether whether you can kind of force De Bruyne and Foden into the team centrally together, or uh, or whether Foden's going to end up shunted back out to the wing. Um, this is what uh, Guardiola said this week. So on Friday, uh, ahead of the Huddersfield game, he said this: Phil is playing lately unbelievable in that positions in the threats and he feels comfortable and in certain games of course he can play both together in that position in the pockets in the middle close to the box in certain other games for the stability maybe not and then on Sunday he expanded on it when he said this always I am big fan for the talent why can't the talent cannot join together cannot be together it's not, I don't have an argument when I arrive in Barcelona the people say no Xavi, Iniesta Busquets cannot play together why not why not? If they are good, they are intelligent and smart. But in the same time, for our structure, the four for two, we have to change something. But it's really, really important. We had to break games or in the second half, put a lot of talent there in the in the central position. It's really, really important. I don't know about you, but it feels like he's teasing a little bit there because I don't know how much we will see them both together in the centre. Well, yeah, I think kind of the key to that is he mentioned a four four two, right? I think if we think about De Bruyne and Phil, both in midfield, it's a 4-3-3 or it's that box midfield that we were doing um, last season. 4-4-2 would lead you to believe that it would be Rodri and De Bruyne in the middle and then somebody up front with Alvarez or Holland, right? Or it would be Alvarez and Holland. Um, 
But we've also seen him use kind of a false second striker type thing where De Bruyne has been up there. Um, Foden's been there a little bit. I think if, if he leans more into the why can't Xavi, Iniesta, and Busquets play together, then yeah, it is a tease. Hmm. Because I've, I've, we've said on our show, uh, I have at least, I'm a big fan of a little bit of chaos in the side, and I don't think that... I think that's the last thing Guardiola wants, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's the issue, you know? <laughs> I, I, I don't think that there's many clubs in the league that could deal with a midfield three of Rodri, De Bruyne, and Foden, but I don't know that Pep wants to relinquish that much control. Uh, but I think against you know, low block sides or mm-hmm. um, something like that. I, I think that's the, that's got to be the move, right? Because De Bruyne can, I think De Bruyne operates better when he's a little bit deeper anyways. So if you had Rodri and De Bruyne a little bit deeper and Foden ahead of them behind whoever the striker is, why not? Yeah. I mean, no one can deal with him. He, he does a lot of what David Silva used to do and that he, he finds space that shouldn't exist. So, Lean into it, you know? Let, try it out a few times. See what happens. Um, I, I'd rather us adjust the wings or adjust what we do with the, the fullback positions than mess around with the midfield too much because I think we have a rare opportunity here to put three of the best players on the planet on the pitch at the same time in important and dangerous positions. So, you know, why not give it a go? Yeah, let's just see what happens. That's the that's yeah. the uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so much of my watching football uh, life is just spent going. Well, I wonder what would happen if we just did this, and then just kind of see what happens. Uh, Joey, I must admit, I I I love your that was a, there was a little subtle nod there as well. Into I like De Bruyne a little bit deeper. You are you are literally just trying to turn him into Perlo, aren't you? In the twilight of his career. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Pirlo deep, De Bruyne deep. Those guys, <laughs> f- you know what I mean. So. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta let him go, you know. And and who doesn't love a thirty or forty yard ball from De Bruyne that rips apart an entire team and ends up on the foot of Grealish or Doku or Alvarez or Holland, you know? So I think I, I think it just works. I think when De Bruyne was at his best, he was a little bit deeper and not up, kind of in the hole right behind the striker. So I think. You let that go. Foden's a little more mobile and more dynamic. And I, I just think it would I think it would work better. Yeah. Plus, you know, Pirlo, De Bruyne. What's the difference? Flow, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, same guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm interested to know uh, because um, that the, the, the censor on that swear word then uh, wasn't done by me. You did that yourself. Uh, is that just something that follows you around? Can you can you not swear in life? Does it just happen where you uh, where, where every time you try and get a swear out, you, you get bleeped? Uh, Mulv had a regulator put on me um, <laughs> because I, I tend to use the <laughs> word as a comma. So <laughs> he had one installed last summer and it's, I mean, it works pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, <laughs> like a shot color. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam, what, uh, what do you make of what he says there? I, I don't know if it, if it um, sounds a bit like this to you, but, but it, it kind of reminded me of last season of, of, of everybody just assuming that um, you drop Harland into city's team and, and everything will go fine. Whereas actually there's a process to working out how to do it and how to get him involved. And there's just, there's probably a way to get De Bruyne and Foden in the team centrally together, but it's, it's now down to Guardiola to work through the process to find it. Yeah. I think it's, 
what he's saying is is it's horses for courses basically like you know it we we can go with all the greatest players playing at the same time and that's not something that he isn't used to doing or isn't open to doing like you know we've we've seen him manage the greatest players in the world and he's managed to get them all on the pitch which is the point he was he was making there i think it really does depend on who we're playing against and what sort of tactics we're going for like you know if we are coming up against the side that we know are going to have two rows of players on their 18 yard line then we need creativity and we need directness and i think that's certainly where de bruyne foden doku uh you know bernardo silva all on the pitch at the same time is is going to be very beneficial um but then equally in games where we're going to need to control the ball like against liverpool potentially against you know a, a big Champions League opposition in the latter stages, such as Real Madrid, we're going to need to have a lot more control on the ball. And, and I think having those creative players who also need to potentially do some defensive work is where the, the risk comes. It's interesting because um, inter- the more you said that, the more I thought, yeah, but what would Real Madrid or Liverpool do? If City just didn't do that, <laughs> if City just had like well, the, all their creative players in there, the thing is, it's 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 well, uh, get them on the counter. Yeah, that's yeah. the transition. That's the risk. Yeah, the tran- Yeah, turning over. You know, the turnovers is, is the risk, isn't it? Um, when you have all those creative players on the pitch. Listen, I'm not. I'd love to see it. Absolutely. You know, it's we. It's one of them, isn't it? We all just want to see it because we all want it to work amazingly and blow teams away. But I'm not too sure if that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, Morv, it reminds me of uh, back in the day, Kevin Keegan always said uh, people would say to him that you can't get Ali Benabia and Ayal Berkovic and Sean Wright Phillips in the same team. And his answer was always, well, why can't you? And then they'd just say to him, well, you just can't. And I'm wondering if if that's ju- if this is just the, the kind of 2024 version of that. Why can't you put De Bruyne and Foden in the team? Well, you can't. Well, surely you can. Yeah. No, it's just like that. It's... it's um... It's just about having a balance of qualities that provide enough creativity and defensive awareness. Uh, like the use of John Stones last season uh, and the switch to all centre-backs across the back where defending was the first priority, uh, that allows you more risk-taking up front. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the arrival of Erling Haaland. It's just about shifting maybe what's behind them um, and, and just... A, allow the creative players to take risks because you know going the other way in transitions you've got it controlled i just had a flashback to my football manager 1999 <laughs> <laughs> uh quick word to finish with on uh, the youngsters that came in uh joe it's good to see uh, michael hamilton get back onto the pitch uh jacob wright as well didn't know his name before the game then then he's on the pitch who who, who knew that was gonna happen yeah i mean kind of i'm in the same boat you know i didn't know <laughs> I don't keep up with the EDS as much as I used to. So, um, yeah, I wasn't sure who that was, but good to see him on. Micah <laughs> Hamilton is, is I don't know, he's a confusing one, right? Because I was, after the Red Star game, I was pretty convinced that was the only match he was ever going to play for us. Oh, one of them. <laughs> not, because yeah, he was, yeah. not because he wasn't good, just because that 
is how it goes sometimes yeah. you know so, somebody will come in with uh, like 15 million and city will go yeah of course we can't turn that down yeah yeah have them buy um yeah it's it's for the longest time i've i've always kind of harped on what uh caldoon said when this whole project started was that they wanted however many youth players in the starting 11 within however many years right and we're starting to see some of that come to fruition so i think the more players like this that come through and actually get a chance in in games that they're not the biggest but they're still meaningful right it's still a knockout match yeah. and all that kind of stuff um i think the more that happens the better uh the more pep leans into using some of the younger players it's better for us because i don't know i, I think we all want to root for some of the the kids that have come through the academy to make it to the first team right and you've seen it with with phil and rico and now oscar bob and just the more players that have that opportunity and, and the more that we can even if it's just fantasy right the more that as fans we can look at it and be like well imagine five years from now we've got this guy this guy and this guy in there it makes it it's a, it's a more fun fan experience and um I, I just think it's good for the club you know it's 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 good for the club to have players that are in their teens or you know just turning 20 that are breaking in and can actually make a difference in the side yeah we had uh, we had leon osman uh on co-commentary in the uk and uh he he was saying i didn't break into any first team till i was 23 and then you've got these kids at, at city like foden foden is not a kid but like he's he scored 70 goals for the club it's like it's it's such a it's such a badge of honor for the club to have you're right um let's take a look now to the uh to the newcastle game uh we're going to begin by getting a view from the northeast i've been speaking to alex hurst from the true faith newcastle united podcast to find out what's happened to their form in the last few weeks I think it. I think it is very disappointing. Newcastle have had a horror December, losing seven out of eight, and the season in November. You know, we beat Chelsea just before December started, just after the, they'd had that four-four game with you. They came from our place, we beat them four-one really easily, and we're fifth in the league. Uh, we look kind of favourites to go through in the Champions League, um, and we were in a in a, um, a quarter-final of the. League Cup against the same opponent, Chelsea, even though it was away from home. So we kind of thought I'd be speaking to you now, still in top four contention or more co- more of a contention. I think it's it's over, but expecting to be in Europe in some form and um, probably in the semi-final of the League Cup. And none of those things have happened. So from that perspective, it's really been really disappointing. However, there's so much mitigation and the, and the reasons are so clear and so obvious to everyone that I think fans, as frustrating as it's been, I think there's only really a couple of games in there that people are kind of disappointed with. I think the rest is kind of understandable. Yeah, what's what's happened then in, in December? What's uh, Why has it gone so wrong? 10 games in 30 days. And the it's not just the injuries. Um, it's just, it's the fact that the squad is just not strong enough to cope with a 13, 14 player injury crisis. And... Whilst I kind of I understand fans and, and, and journalists kind of said before the season, did Newcastle have the squad to cope with competing on four fronts? And that was a good argument. A lot of these injuries are freak injuries. They're not repeat muscle injuries. They're shoulders popping out, <laughs> going for challenges. They're people breaking their back. They're people uh, who, who've not played much football this season, stepping onto the pitch and tearing a hamstring before the game's even started. There's been a like, it's just been this kind of freak run of results uh, or, or run of injuries 
And Newcastle play with such an intensity that once they can't quite do that, it actually looks very, very messy. And Newcastle, particularly away from home, they've kind of had that one home defeat the Forest, which was a bit of a disaster. But it was kind of a uh, that, that was the tenth game in thirty days, and the game, even though Forest were very good under their new manager, the, the game could have gone a lot differently. I just think away from home, Newcastle not being able to replicate the intensity has just made them look like quite an average side when they're not. But when you've got the same eleven players starting all ten of those games and for, for most of them, it's just kind of the natural consequence of of overachievement last season, pushing them on to a level that whilst the first team is very good. There's not loads behind it. Yeah, and uh, you look at uh, at all the other teams that are, are in contention for, I mean, all the European places, whether it's you know the Champions League down to the the Conference League. What what are you hoping for for the remainder of the season, given given some of the strength that's in there? I still think there's an outside chance of making the Champions League, whether that's fourth or fifth. And I know that might sound strange to some listeners, but the Newcastle are at home. I think have played ten one eight. And they're so strong at home. And if you think, you know, we've beaten, we've also beaten Manchester City earlier in the season in the Cup. We beat PSG at home. We, we lost to Milan and Dortmund, but there were two great games where Newcastle could have easily won despite the injuries that they had in those fixtures. So, so I think if they can get back to something near their best, they're capable like they did it back in the last season. I mean, we weren't far off this position this time last year or about February last year. We dropped down to 7th, 8th, ninth, And then we went on a run where we won something like 8 of the last... 11, 12 games of the season and, and finish fourth comfortably. So I think second half of the season without that fixture congestion, Newcastle are missing a whole midfield at the minute for those players to come back, for Harvey Barnes to come back, um, who's hardly played for Newcastle, cost 40 million quid. Um, it gives us a real opportunity of putting one of those runs together. But, you know, we've got Manchester City and Aston Villa next two league games. If you were to lose both of those, then it's hard for me to make that case. I think any European football next season is still kind of saves the season if that way. I wouldn't call it a good season, but it saves the season. Yeah. Um of course it's City coming to St James's next. Um I mean, last season was a was a really um kind of ding dong game in the three three. Um are you expecting something similar this year? Because I, I just looking at, at the way the two teams are playing, I mean I'm I'm not confident in City keeping clean sheets at the moment. I guess you're not confident in Newcastle keeping clean sheets. It kind of screams goals, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I would be a lot more confident in, in at least being a, a close game if Joe Linton hadn't got injured on Saturday because Newcastle played with Joe Linton, um, Bruno, Gamarish and Sean Longstaff. And a lot of people would argue, if you ignore the players missing anyway, that's Newcastle's first choice midfield. And Joe Linton's been missing for nearly all of the period we've been discussing. And so he's come back. He's, he's just got injury after injury. And Lewis Miley, who's 17, has to come into the team. And he's done He's done brilliant, honestly, for a 17-year-old lad who didn't expect to play much football this season to come in and have to play the amount of games he's had to play in the in the amount of days he's had to play them. He's done great. But Newcastle just looked wide open in midfield when he plays because he's 17. Uh, he's not physically big enough to be able to stop players running with the ball. Uh, he gets drawn to the ball a lot. Um, and it, it just puts real pressure on Gumarej. Uh, and Longstaff to do even more running. So that if Jolinton was fit for this, I'd, I'd be kind of confident that Newcastle could probably win the game or possibly win the game anyway. And it could be, like you say, one of the games that we enjoyed last season so much, the 3-3 game, which could have been like 8-8. In reality, um, I'm a little bit more concerned that Howe will have to play more conservatively than he'd like at home. I still think we'll press high in stages. I still think you'll 
see some of those things. But with with um, Miley having to come in and with him being so suspect defensively against Man City's engine room, I think Man City might enjoy more of the territory and more of the ball than otherwise would have happened if Jalen had been fit. Yeah, just looking at the uh, at the the roll call of who's available. Who do you think uh, is Eddie Howe's likely to pick for this one? Yes, it's kind of straightforward. Um, it'll just be the same team that played on Saturday against Sunderland. You know, the, the good news is for us is that that back four oh, but, uh, from last season, uh, which is, which has hardly played together this season, is now back. Um, you know, Newcastle and Man City were the two best uh, defensive sides in the league last season. Newcastle we know any of that this season. Um, so the, the back four picks itself. Nick Pope is injured in a massive miss. So Martin Dubravka plays in goal and Dubravka's just started to find some form. He was, he was hopeless when he first came back into the team. Um, so that the back five. And then you'll go, assuming that uh, someone like Joe Willock isn't back, and I don't think he is, and he's a huge miss for Newcastle, you'll go with um, Gumarej, Miley and Longstaff in the field. And then you'll go with um, Anthony Gordon, Megal Almiron and Alexander Isak up front. And that's that's the team. There is there is no one else. There's no one from the bench who remotely comes close to to getting in that side. The chances are he picks two or three goalkeepers again because there's just there's just not the players there. Yeah, um, just looking at uh, at form as well. Uh, it, it feels like form's been problematic away from St James's, but at home you've been you've been fine. Is that fair? I've been great at home until the Forest game. They, 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 they didn't look like a team who would even get a point from Newcastle. Never mind beat them. I mean, Liverpool won early this season with 10 men, which is uh, like a hugely damaging defeat for us and a kind of springboard for their season. But they didn't deserve anything from the game. Newcastle battered them with 11 men and then battered them with 10 men, hit the post and the crossbar a few times. Alisson pulls off some wonder saves and then Darwin Nunes does what Darwin Nunes can do. And that's like one game out of six. Looked like an £85 million centre forward and take the only two chances Liverpool had in the game and fair play to them. It was a great win, but... They didn't look. They didn't look like beating us. Um, and then that Forest game, it was just. It was just. It was almost a game too far. Newcastle go one and look. We're playing well. Had numerous chances to score, and then they basically hit the counter attack three times from a really well organised, motivated Forest side who just got a new manager. And I don't think Newcastle would make those st- mistakes again. Um, but but the, at home they've been great. You know they, they beat Man City early in the season, which was quite a close game in the in the League Cup one um, nil. They've been really good in the Champions League fixtures at home. I think really unlucky to, to lose the two games they did against two very good sides in Dortmund and Milan. Um, so yeah, like they are they are a different prospect at home, and and I think that it'll be a tough game for Manchester City um, purely because it's in St James's Park. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, it's it, it's a real hard one. Um, I think if Newcastle go behind, they have very little to to be able to get back into the game. Um, they can't bring anyone on from the bench to change the game. You know, your players on the bench are like Matt Ritchie, <laughs> who hardly played a minute of Premier League football last season, and same with Paul Dummett. There's just no one else there, unfortunately. So I think if Man City take the lead, particularly in the first half, um, it could be a really long day for Newcastle. However, um, you know, a player like Alexander Rysak, I think he scored in his last three now. He's just come back into the team and just started to look fit again. He sort of scored earlier against City this season at St James's. He's he's world class centre forward. I, I still don't really understand, even though Newcastle are uh, good now or or good last season, how they managed to get him for 60, 65 million when when you think of what good strikers go for these days. So Newcastle have got a chance. I, I probably think Manchester City will have too much. I think Manchester City having options from the bench the later the game goes on will will work in, in their favour. The only thing I'm kind of clinging on to is we played Arsenal at St James's when they were unbeaten. 
in November and we were just starting this injury crisis and Newcastle kind of just managed the game quite well. It, it, Arsenal didn't really create anything and then Newcastle kind of stole a goal in the 70th minute then defended for their lives. It's going to take a similar type of performance to win this one but I think Man City have too much going forward compared to Arsenal for Newcastle to be able to replicate that. I don't think Newcastle can win this game 1-0. I think we'll have to win it 3-2 or 4-3. Um, so yeah, I think there'll be goals. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, we got the charity back coming up, Alex. Let's have a, a score prediction for that. What are you going to go for? Yeah, I'll go three two Newcastle for me. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer: StatCity.co.uk. Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero, or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. And we're very sorry about that. That was Alex Hurst from the True Faith podcast. Um, Morv, we talked extensively about uh, De Bruyne earlier. Um, he's expecting to be back on the bench against Newcastle. What would you like to see from City in terms of their shape and their attack for this game? We need to ride the Foden wave, David. Yeah. We need to uh, yeah make him the focal point of the attack. You asked specifically about how to attack Newcastle. Yeah. Um, lean into into his him and his form at the moment. Um, he's 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 playing uh, probably his best ever form. And um, in the you know, there's a big debate about out there about you know. I think it's Foden versus Saka, like uh, is the main one. Which uh, the naysayers um, about Foden will will tell you that you know he's not he's not a first team player always for City. Like he sits on the bench a lot. And they rate Saka higher, but it's it's not Foden's fault. He's you know his best position is shared uh, by Kevin De Bruyne, probably the best at it in the world. Um, so it's great to see him come in um, in that role and have have the massive impact he's had. Yeah, um, Sam Newcastle have been uh, really good at home and absolutely appalling away from home. Uh, twenty four of their twenty nine points this season have come at St James's Park. How much of this game is killing the crowd as much as it is dealing with the opposition? Yeah, I think so. I think that's certainly the case at St James's Park. You know, we know how passionate the fans are in Newcastle for for their team. Um, to put that into context, their home record this season, only Aston Villa and Liverpool have won more at home in terms of points in the Premier League this season. Um, they did lose against Forest last time out, however, at St. James's, And they've, they're have they on a, a three-game losing run at the minute in the league. So then this could be a, a good time to play them um, mm. in that sense. Um, I... Are you nervous? Uh, not nervous. I'm more excited, to be honest with you, because the game last season at St. James's Park was, you know, it was a entertaining one, wasn't it? And and in the end, City just couldn't get the best of Newcastle. But I think 
the way both teams are playing at the minute, I think City can go there and, and be confident of getting the job done. Yeah. Um, Joey, to, just to put any listeners' minds at ease, um, Sam's talking there about uh, Newcastle having such a good home record. Um, City have got the best away record in the league. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm not, I don't know, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, it's going to be a big match and everything, and we know the atmosphere there and all that. But um, Newcastle are in a weird run of form. Um, we've got De Bruyne coming back. Uh, Foden's been unreal. So I think I think we're in a good spot. Also, I think I saw. Maybe I'm wrong. Is is Scottish international Joe Linton injured for this? <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah. So that's a big plus. You know, he's one of the main guys in their midfield. So one of the know, if we don't guys. have to deal with the Scott in there, then then I think we're in good shape. I don't, see. I'd have thought Joe Linton sounds more like he took um, kind of like he, he, he had a middling run score rate for Australia in like the the eighties. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have gone Scottish, but I mean, maybe he does sound Scottish. Who knows? Um, uh, well, is he not Scottish? I don't think he's Scottish. No, I, I, <laughs> oh, I, I, right, I well. need to double check that. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he is. Um, Mulv, obviously the the 3-3 has been brought up a couple of times already. Um, City just could not control that game. Uh, they've struggled to control games this season. Does that impact this one, do you think? Because I, I I don't know if Eddie Howe would just look at it and go, well, let's try and just make it a bit more chaotic. City struggle in those games. So my memory's, my memory's generally awful, but I remember the 3-3 very well. It, it was it was Pep's. Uh, trying to play Kyle Walker in the in the John Stones role uh, oh. to no effect, uh, and that San, San Maximan just ran wild on us that day. It was also I just watched the highlights back. It's also um, the game where Kevin De Bruyne played this ridiculous uh, through ball into Bernardo Silva, who who had a tidy finish to make yeah. it three three. He had to, he had uh, to be offside, and then when you watched it, it was like, oh, he wasn't offside. How has he done yeah. that? <laughs> That's classic, classic Kevin De Bruyne there. Anyway, um, no, I, I think I'm not too nervous, David. Uh, I think we're slowly been getting back to our best in terms of control, uh, especially Rodri and his total commitment to flawless football. Um, <laughs> plus, Foden refuses to give the ball away in central areas uh, ever since the, the Crystal Palace game. So, yeah, I'm quite optimistic about our chances of control in this one. One one thing to mention um, on the point that you made there, David, about like cities being the, the best away side. Recently, we've conceded the first goal in six of our last eight away league matches. Um, we did in the last two, but came back to win in, in both of those. So I think there's a there's a bit of a pattern emerging there away from home where let, let Newcastle City are, and we'll go and win it. You was what you saying. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, let let Newcastle score and, and City go on and win it. But in terms of, you know, potentially control, we're, we're not doing that so well away from home. Um and I, I think Pep will be determined to control this game even more so than ever because yeah. of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, Joey, if it might be a case of uh, City just might not get much time in, in, in possession, even in deep areas, uh, because Newcastle play high, they they play really intensively. And I just wonder if it's a case of Guardiola saying to them, you know, before the game, look, you're just going to have to be brave on the ball. Yeah, either that or I, I wouldn't hate, if they are going to press really high and intense for large portions of the match, I wouldn't hate if we did what we did against Arsenal last season and just say, screw it, go along. Yeah. 
You know, there was there was a match against Arsenal last year where they, (laughs) hey, well, you know, I'm just trying to appeal to the British audience for once. Um, (laughs) They already aren't going to like my accent. They're not going to like that I'm talking about the sport because I'm American. So I gotta, I gotta try to get ahead of it. Gotta get them on side somehow. Yeah. Are they still listening? No, there's no chance, brother. There's mate, no chance. Uh, mate, it's us. They've never been like that. Up to big man. On me head, son. Like, just do some of that. Um, yeah, no, but we against Arsenal last season, they were pressing really high, particularly Odegaard. We'd kind of bait him into pressing, and then we would just went over the top, and it worked pretty well. And I, I wouldn't hate doing that against, against Newcastle, at least a little bit, uh, just to kind of break up what they do, right? If, if it breaks up the press a little bit, and they back off a little, it might give us more time on the ball in the long run. So I think switching it up and varying how we attack uh, would probably be a good move just to keep them on their toes. Yeah, catch them unaware. I, I always wonder what would happen if, you know, teams that set up against City to uh, play out of possession and expect not to have the ball, if City just went, you have it, just see, see what happens. Oh, I'm the same. Um, a little tip for you, Joey. If, if you wanted to get the uh, the British listeners on board, and specifically the Man City fans, you should have just said, just, you know, get the ball and, and give it to Gordon. What else do you need to say? <laughs> give it bloody Gordon. <laughs> um, Sam, I've not asked this question for a while, but since he is uh, back and available um, for old time's sake more than anything else, uh, Docker or Grealish for this one? I still think it might be a bit too early. But he did look sharp, I, th- I, th- I thought, when he came on against Huddersfield. And I know it's it's against Huddersfield, all respect to them. But I just think he'll stick with Grealish. I think as well, Doku coming on, scoring a goal, gives Grealish a, a challenge, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's clear he's been brought in to light the fire underneath Grealish, if you like, and to try and um, inspire him and, and challenge him. That competition for that place is is really hot now with with him coming in and having a brilliant um, brilliant start to life at City. I think Grealish has this opportunity to say to Pep, Doc, who's fit, but I'm still the main man. Yeah, so he has to, has to go to St. James and deliver. Yeah. Right, well, let's get some predictions on the board. We had another correct score on the charity bet last week. Uh, this time it was from Matt Shaw, our Huddersfield guest. He correctly predicted that 5-0 pummeling for the Terriers. Um, that means we've now raised £690 for the Man City Fans Food Bank support group this season. William Hill is giving us three £10 correct score singles, so let's see if we can't make it three wins in three shows. Uh, we heard earlier on that uh, Alex Hurst has gone for a, a 3-2 Newcastle win. That's 40-1 to one and £400 if he's right. Sam, what are you having for this? I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. I think the trend will continue and Newcastle will score first, but City will get the job done. Yeah. Do you remember the days when that stat used to be, oh, City City are, are, are losing at half-time in, a, in an away Premier League game and they don't come back and win? Keep doing it every week these days, so maybe uh, maybe that's another one. Um, although although this time round, we're, we're not taking De Jong off and, and pushing Yaya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 12 to 1, if you're right, Sam. Uh, 120 quid. And uh, we've only got one more bet, which means that uh, Joey and Mulve, you're going to have to fight it out between yourselves to, uh, to give us a score. So what are you having between you? Well, I got in first, David. <laughs> and uh, I've, gone, I've gone for a 4-2. I don't have much conviction about it. It just sounds like a pretty sexy result. 
and it's yeah. a, city, city that is. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sexy amount of money as well if you're right because it's uh, also forty to one, so four hundred pounds if it comes in. Let's go. Uh, so uh, fingers crossed for that one. You got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more information on gambling responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. Uh, we are going to squeeze in a listener question to finish. Get in touch for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter or X as it's now known. Uh, email us, uh, fill in the form on the website bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, that's exactly what Tim has done. He says walking to the Etihad before the game, we were discussing whether we'd rather have prime Aguero or last season's Haaland up front for City. The argument boiled down to Aguero probably being better suited for the overall system, but Haaland scoring more goals and having the bigger fear factor for opponents. So which would you guys pick and why? Um, Really easy to do this one. So cycle through you. Sam, where would you go for this? It depends on what team we're talking about. Are we talking about now City now, would we rather have Aguero or Haaland this season? Or are we talking about would we rather have had Haaland when you know we were in peak Aguero era sort of thing? So I'm um I I can see This is know, this is the longest don't know I've ever heard, you know. Um <laughs> yeah, both both arguments are compelling for Aguero and Haaland. I think oh, oh God, it pains me to say it, but I think Haaland for just his all round play as well. All round being all round strike striker. You know, he's 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 the big man up front as well as being absolutely lightning quick and knows where the goal is. Aguero's incredible as well and it's a it's a horrible question to answer. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with you either. I think um, it, kind of system-wise, I think Aguero changed his game so much with Guardiola that uh, he proved he could do it when um, Haaland, I think, still has a lot of adaptation to do to, to, to get into City. But it's it's it, it's hard, isn't it, Joey? Because he, he scores so many goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Hmm. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... I think I'd go Aguero just because something about I was just thinking about this. Something about Aguero and Doku in the same side. Yeah. I don't know why the, that's what jumped out, but something one, about must those admit, two together is terrifying. I mm. must admit, I have noticed in the past few games I've been really frustrated with the lack of that Aguero run at the front post mm-hmm. that he always used to make. The ball's getting there a lot of you know, a lot of the time and it's like, it's just screaming out for someone to make that near post run a la Aguero, which he had so much success with. You know, I think back to when we were um, away at Old Trafford, the amount of times he did that against Phil Jones, when he just run near post and put it into the top corner keepers near side as well. He, he just made it look so easy. And the amount of times recently, the ball has been flashed across the box towards a near post and no one's on the end of it. I'm just like, I can feel myself in my seat screaming, Aguero! Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then again, Haaland hasn't been playing recently, so um, who knows? Yeah. Mulv, where, where would you go for this? Yeah, they're both rubbish. I, I like the look of that Hoyland kid at United. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's pretty good, huh? Yeah. What's he scored? One Premier League goal in 100 appearances or something like that? Just wait. Just <laughs> worth wait. it, TBH. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> worth every penny. Yeah. But to take to take this question on then a little bit, because um, I am interested in this side of it as well, because we've seen different eras of Guardiola at City now. Um, Morv, what's your favourite of, of Guardiola's styles, let's say? Because, I mean, like, like the principles of his football are the same all the way through. But you look at, at like, 2017 to 19, you've got the 100 points, 98 points, those those teams. Um, then you've got the false nine era. And then after that, we've got last season's treble winners. They all, they all have their own identity. Um, so which is your favourite out of all of them? Yeah, my favourite is definitely the Centurions. Um, only because the English media said that Guardiola could never win it that way. And not only did he win it that way, he did it in record-breaking uh, fashion. And, and that way, meaning, you know, free-flowing mm. pet ball um, w- without, you know, without commitment to tackles. Uh, <laughs> what he so yeah, just still lives just in, out of, I, I still think about that quote every day. <laughs> so, yeah, just out of sort of spite and, and um, yeah, sticking it to the English media, I'm, <clears throat> I'm uh, most happy with the Centurions. Yeah, Joey, where, where would you go for this? Because um, obviously the Centurions had a style that I think a lot a lot of people hark back to now and would like to see more of, but I don't know if it's possible mm. anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm with Malv on this. It's the Centurions. It was just so fun. Like it was just one of the most that year was one of the more fun seasons I can ever think of, just in terms of watching my team. You know. Um, do you feel like the Centurions, as a as as a group of of players for City, didn't get the silverware that they deserved? I, I don't think they not only silverware. I, I I don't think they get the recognition they deserve. I think that season, especially now that we've won the treble, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of gets forgotten about for some reason. Um, like I don't hear that one come up as much, but maybe that's just me. But. It, they scored a hundred points, and <laughs> like it's just such a dumb number to score in the Premier League, and and the way we went about it, and and the the players that were involved in that side, and the way that Pep was able to get the best out of everybody. I mean, that was that was around the time that we were looking at Gabby Jesus as like, oh my god, this might be the guy. Like this might be the guy that replaces Aguero type thing. And now he's not even at the club anymore. And mm. you just look at what, like Mole said, how Pep was able to do it. And then you look at who he was able to get the best out of it. It was just, it was just the best. Wasn't that the same year that Aguero almost fought a cop down at Southampton too? Yeah. Yeah. Bournemouth. Down Bournemouth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's another good memory, you know, going <laughs> at a police officer. <laughs> Yeah, Haaland, uh, by the way, when uh, when we all thought uh, Jesus was going to be uh, the heir to Aguero's throne, uh, Haaland was uh, 16 turning 17. <laughs> not to make anybody feel old. <laughs> and he um, scored 30 that season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Sam, uh, talk to me about this, because uh, as much as I can see the argument for the 100-point season, um, you know what? The way they took Real Madrid apart, the way they took mm. Bayern Munich apart last season, um, I, 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 I loved it. It was an easy route to the final, though, wasn't it? <laughs> I, just to go back to Centurions, yeah. Oh, fantastic. not you as well. No, 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 no. I want to chat through. Um, I'm just incredible, and I still don't think that achievement gets the recognition it deserves. I, I, the season after was brilliant as well obviously um winning the the titles the trophies that 
uh, that were you know justified um, with the way they were playing. I think getting 98 points and, and Liverpool having their best ever season on 97 points is still like <laughs> so so sweet, isn't it? But um, yeah, I have to say I am firmly in the treble winners camp because I, I think it was more the style was very mature. I think it's what we saw last season was a culmination of of everything that Guardiola has been working towards with Manchester City, mm. and I think and let's be honest, we, the the John Stones solution at the end of the season was I mean it was inspired and incredible and it was just yeah. it was again it was just that that sort of matureness in the the City team that you know they've they've overcome so many adversities over Guardiola's tenure, particularly in the in the Champions League and. Um, you know, they are in a position mentally uh, that they, you know, did go on, did go on to win it. Um, and we saw that come to fruition, which they've been working on for, for some time. But I just think in, in general, you know, it, across all competitions, the, the style was, was very, very mature. It was, it was strictly business, I think. Everything, you know, we saw that in the FA Cup final straight away, 10 seconds in absolutely no messing about you know it was um ruthless and strictly business very mature yeah we'll take all the trophies thank you very much yeah i uh, i can hear sam lee by the way shouting at me that i've not uh, bigged up the false nine era because that's his favorite uh, city <laughs> team so uh, shout out to that for for sam uh, but for now that brings this week's blue moon podcast to a close thank you very much for listening and thanks to my guests for this one sam rosbottom always a pleasure and the noisy neighbors podcasters joey yeah, thanks for having us on, man. I appreciate it. And Mulv. Thank you, David. Where can people find you guys? I mean, I, it, it's a daft question to ask on podcast now because it's literally stick the name into Google, but go on. <laughs> where, where, where can people find yeah, you? Exactly. No, we're, we're at Noisy Pod. Yeah, at Noisy Pod on Twitter and then Noisy Neighbors Podcast. Uh, this is going to make people mad. Neighbors without the U because <laughs> that won't endear you to the British audience. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well,. I sound like this, so I'm just, you know I'm, I'm it's an uphill battle, anyways. But on all the good podcast apps and not Podbean, uh, and then uh, we're also on YouTube. Um, we do live shows and live call-in shows on there too. That's fun. So yeah, we're kind of everywhere. Yeah, well worth uh, well worth subscribing to. Go and have a look at that. Uh, join us again next week to review the Newcastle game. Stay tuned for a clip of this week's Patreon show as well. I'll see you next week. See you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. Was it was it potentially a double save as well? Or yeah, it- well, he tipped it onto the bar. Um, and then Gus Poyet's heading it into the empty net. And like w- at the moment where Poyet makes connection with the ball, Arison's still not in the the frame of the of the picture. And then he's, he's suddenly out of nowhere, dives on it. Are we uh, uh, and presumably we were still were we three still three 0 down at that point, and that's basically started the comeback at all. It might, I, it might have been three. Well, certainly it would have it would have made it four something. And whether that was four one or four nil, it like it, it gets to the point where you're like, well, okay, you've just killed the game, you've you've killed the momentum that City were building. Uh, I mean, and I think I think the thing as well, I think Gus Poyet, I think came on for someone else as well. So he'd he'd come on and he'd uh, had a relatively good game as well. And 
I, I just I just couldn't see us coming back from it at all. I just I just couldn't see any way that it was gonna it was gonna be any different than us going out of a, a competition yet again uh, in in uh, unceremonious circumstances. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and join us again next time for another episode. <laughs>